the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. What is the weirdest thing you have ever done to impress someone? And that's part of what we're exploring today. Hi, my name is Ben. Hey, Ben. Uh, my name's still Noel. I, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on the weirdest thing I've done to impress anybody. I'm pretty vanilla when it comes to impressing people. Like, You mean like a date or something or just kind of showing out for your peers or i don't know I, i'm yeah. apparently a name dropper uh, i've been doing that a lot and that, that's not doesn't go over well most of the time but that's probably the weirdest thing i do to impress people and it never works because they find it grating and uh completely self-aggrandizing so i'm really working on stopping doing that on that note i talked to elvira last night and uh, <laughs> yeah she's as cool as you would think let me tell you yeah uh, I got to say, Noel, uh, I have your back 100% in most things in general. And, uh, you know, since this is a history show, I'll admit my own personal rap sheet of uh, well-intentioned but ill-delivered flexes is pretty extensive. Uh, there's one person who always flexes on this show. That's our super producer, Casey Pegram. Flexing that producer muscle. There he is. Uh, you, the sound cues and all. And as you will recall, longtime listeners, a while back, uh, we dived deep into the idea of historical flexes. And luckily, we got two people much cooler than us to join. We've actually convinced these people to join us on the show today. You know them as the host of The Daily Zeitgeist. Welcome back to the show, Jack O'Brien and Miles Gray. Thank you guys so much for coming back to flex a little bit more. Mm, that is the sound of me flexing weirdly. Just love getting some blood into my muscles mm -hmm. just to flex it up a little bit. <laughs> the pump, as it were. 
no better exercise than sitting at a desk yapping into a microphone. Let me yes. Tell you. Oh yeah. yeah. I have a COVID neck. My my neck has gotten fatter <laughs> than uh, it was, and it, that's something that I've been very acutely aware of because of all the low angle shots on Zoom. <laughs> yes. Are you are you developing bad posture? Are you developing a slouch? Is it like taco neck where you your neck is always to the side a little <laughs> bit now? No, it's just like a little layer of fat underneath my neck because I'm uh. getting older and because I'm eating way worse and I'm not leaving the house. So that's why well, I've been growing this beard. Uh yep. To yeah. cover cover my COVID neck, you know. <laughs> I have a podcasting malady, which is podcaster, but uh, where, where your gluteus muscles atrophy at a rate so rapid, most scientists are baffled from all of this hitting. Wow. Um, and I've used this time to like strengthen them. Well, as soon as they crack the whole COVID, uh, you know, epidemic, yeah. I'm sure they'll get right on solving podcast. But I think that it's a close two. Yeah, I also like how Miles, you pointed out. Most scientists, implying, <laughs> therefore, that there are a couple luminaries in the mm-hmm. field of yep. the podcasting malady and its mm-hmm. effect on the butt muscles. Uh, speaking of fantastic segues, uh, we have asked you, our uh, brothers in podcast arms, to help us illustrate some more historical flexes. Longtime listeners, you'll recall that the last time Miles and Jack joined us on the show, uh, we learned some things that uh f- frankly haunt me <laughs> as, <laughs> on, on a personal level and uh we also left the show thinking this is just scratching the surface of the weird so today we return uh, to look at some more historical flexes now no how would i think we did a pretty good job in our previous episodes, how would we define an historical flex? Well, Urban Dictionary defines uh, <laughs> to flex, yes. uh, meaning to boast or show off about something. And the phrase weird flex but okay has sort of uh, become an internet parlance that is a sort of dismissive response uh, to when somebody proudly boasts or brags about something that most people would find um, you know, either ridiculous or not cool at all or kind of irrelevant or just weird. I always love the Urban Dictionary um, little italicized examples uh, this one here says girl one I'm dating my friend's dad if we ever get married I'll become her stepmom response weird flex but okay uh, <laughs> that's an elaborate weird flex it's beautiful too because you can apply it I mean m- many of our episodes on ridiculous history could be uh, dismissed with a weird flex but okay that's sort of the nature of the show but we're going a little deeper and trying to really highlight some individuals that are uh, showing out and showing off in in bizarre and and kind of inexplicable ways yeah so uh, we had talked off air about some flexes and one thing that's pretty exciting about it is I think think we're all going to surprise each other maybe a little bit uh now we are at the point where we're we're going to spend this episode sort of trading stories of weird flexes now jack miles you are the uh you are the guest and you're you know honestly the reason 
most people are tuning in. Uh, let's be honest about that. Uh, so Ben, self-deprecation is also a weird flex. Let me, let me just I agree. agree. There we I go. Agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we agreed to this show because you said we'd get way more listeners because no one listens to our show. <laughs> so it's worth it for us. So I'm glad, I'm glad you gave us the opportunity too. So it's a two-way yeah. street. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, uh, I think this is coming out uh, just after Mother's Day. So uh, thank you to all the uh, moms in the crowd listening. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Number one fans. Uh, so, oh God, we have so many weird flexes. Uh, who would like to do the honors? You know, I propose that Jack or Miles would be it'd be one of you guys because Nolan and I have, uh, as he said, uh, we're inundated with weird flexes. We have no idea what's a normal flex now on on the show. <laughs> I am happy to to start us off. Uh, I don't really. I I just have one. We're gonna spend uh, my whole time talking about one person, but before we get into his specific uh, weird flexing. I want to ask you guys, how tall would you guess, if you, assuming you don't know this fact, how tall would you guess uh, Stalin was? Mm. So, that feels like a trick question because I'm like, <laughs> well, based on his actions, I'd feel he's a little guy. And then I'd also believe like, wait, he was tall and still like that? I'm going to say five, six. Yeah, he seems like a stocky Napoleon complexy kind of dude, but that ah. could be the the, the ruse here. Uh, I'm gonna say five five, Ooh, I'm, just to, you know, and yeah. one penny, <laughs> just to spread the board. Uh, I'll go five eight. Mm. I thought he was a tall person. He was five four or under five four. Um, so he was wow. he was wow. a small person. So one of the weird ways that he flexed on history was through Photoshop. Uh, before the invention of Photoshop, he uh, would just delete people who uh, he had had killed or who he had sent to prison and no longer was homies with. Uh, he would delete them from pictures. And this was, of course, before the long before the invention of Photoshop. So he would just use his immense power to, you know, reach out to a bunch of the best uh, photo artists and just have pictures manipulated and touched up until all the people he wanted to uh, be out of the picture were out of the picture. And also he would have the pictures manipulated so he looked tall. <laughs> By the way, we've we've had to take a bunch of selfies just because we always do photographs with uh, with every episode that we put up of the Daily Zeitgeist, and I've always made sure to shoot myself from a low angle, looking like I'm uh, looming large <laughs> in in my selfies. But uh, that was something. Stalin had a whole staff, a whole nation of people uh, working on that to make him look tall. And also to make him look handsome, and it worked on me because I would have guessed if I if I had been asked that question, I would have guessed he was like over six feet tall. He just struck me as a big guy, and the fact that he was a small man is, is surprising to me. So that's one of the weird flexes is just kind of inventing Photoshop to look cool and also destroy his enemies and literally erase them from history is uh, my first weird flex. It makes me think, you know, about uh, 
that film, The Death of Stalin, which I thought oh, was yeah. pretty solid, right? You guys remember that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they do that? I'm so interested. There's no Photoshop. This guy will literally have you and your family killed if you don't <laughs> do airbrush him out. Yeah. Yeah. Get the mustache right for fuck's sake. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. it's scary. Someone stuff. didn't use the lasso tool. Right. Oh. And I mean, he <laughs> was, he had like really a pockmarked face. He was not a great, he had like a what? withered left arm. But so there was a lot of work to be done. There were people who were uh, inventing Photoshop tools with like exacto knives and uh, erasers and like charcoal uh, many, many years ago and, you know, just sweating with a gun barrel at the back of their neck, probably. Really quickly, uh, to bring in super producer Casey Pegram. Um, Casey is a bit of a, a not not a bit of a, a, a giant cinephile and also a you know photography buff. I wonder if you have any thoughts on some of those kinds of techniques. Like I, I took a you know photography class in college, and using darkroom, you can definitely like use filters and things to superimpose images and then print them onto new you know photo paper. And I wonder what what you would think maybe some of the early photo manipulation techniques around this time might have looked like yeah i mean photography has always kind of had that that level of manipulation possible in the development process when you talk about dodging and burning and things like that and being able to use you know just physically manipulate images cut things together paste them match the lighting really do your homework i don't know to me it's fascinating that like the skills that would have brought you to stalin's attention in the soviet union are now just like kids making memes on like TikTok and stuff. Like <laughs> right. it's really, um, sure. it's really strange. The, the historical disconnect there. I just want to say one other thing. There's a documentary that came out last year called state funeral. That is all just documentary footage of Stalin's funeral. Um, no voiceover or anything. And it's actually pretty, pretty fascinating to look at just thousands of people in mourning for this guy who was kind of terrorizing them, but they're all sort of having to perform this act of mourning. I think it's going to be on streaming later this month if anybody wants to check it out. Well, it's also a form of Stockholm Syndrome where like, you know, the people, like if you watch Death of Stalin, like the people that were in his inner circle on the one hand wanted to supplant him and wanted to like take power, but they were so scared of him and that fear almost manifested itself in a weird reverence. Uh, But it is literally like he is a terror. He is a absolute nightmare, but they sort of kind of love him too. It's, It's a very, yeah. Yeah, and there's this weird moment where you know that very they have like the public viewing of Stalin's body in the uh, in the casket mm-hmm. and you can sort of see the reaction shots of people looking at him it's like they're looking at him really close to make sure he's not just like right. in there but still they're breathing holding a mirror yeah up literally up they're like I really yeah. really want to make sure that dude is dead before I say what I have to say or whatever right yeah, yeah I mean they could also uh case in point uh dictators and authoritarians might flex by faking their death to see if anybody is out of pocket when they mm-hmm. think that person is dead. That wouldn't have been particularly elaborate for Stalin, uh, as we're going to get to. He he <laughs> loved to go to uh, the ends of the earth and just really elaborate lengths to just embarrass people. And uh, yeah, he was very petty. He was a very petty man. Uh, I'll get into some of the ways he was petty uh, with my next weird flex. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Miles, why don't you uh, take us away from Stalin, please? Oh, man. So I, you know, last time I was talking about how people were just like ripping apart like mummies for fun and being like, ha ha, rich people gather around this mummy. Let's just see what's inside. Let's desecrate this beautiful culture. Yeah. Shout out to England. So this whole thing, I got me thinking, I'm like, okay, well, flexes are can be a number of things. And I think uh flippantly i'll also say things are a flex when they're just so excessive uh and this flex uh in history i would say is a tale of flexessive violence um (laughs) and it comes 
from Olga of Kiev. And I first heard about Olga of Kiev because she's like, she occupies a space of being Kievan Rus, like the sort of historical or the the, the cult, ancient culture that a lot of Russian and Ukrainian people and many people in that area sort of point to that they descend from. Um, and I studied Viking history in college. And there's this a lot of talk of how the Norse were part of this group, and that's why there's you know these sort of Scandinavian features are got there because there were these uh, these Norse people that were there, and it was believed that this woman Olga was actually of Norse origin, so she's like also a, like a. A, uh, a saint in the Orthodox Church, and I believe also like she's sainted in Norse culture as well as Saint Helga, and she earned her sainthood with how flexessive she could be with her revenge. Now, <laughs> she was married to a king named Igor, uh, who was basically, you know, he was going around pulling up to different tribes. Uh, this one being the Drevlians, and said, "Hey, like, look, man, I can, you know." You guys just bow down to me, okay? Like, just bow down. You know, see how big my army is. Bow I can down. just, I can just run the board right now. So just give it up, uh, and I'll keep it moving. They pay their tribute, and for some reason, he felt that halfway through, he was like, you know what? This isn't enough. This isn't enough. So he goes back and demands more. But that time, he went with a smaller force of men, and he was actually killed. Uh, by the Drevlians. So after this, they come to his widow, which is uh, Olga of Kiev, and they say, hey, you know what? We got this great idea. Okay, look, clearly you have no king. I guess you're in charge because the next in line is like a baby. So you are now the ruler. Um, why don't you, you know, just mull this idea over for a little bit. We think that you should marry the guy that killed your husband. Uh, and unite them and just bow to the Drevlians and just kind of let them know, like, all's good. You're loving it. Um, so she, <laughs> they send 20 men to sort of like coax her into this. And this is where you begin to see how this uh, this particular ruler thinks. She's, this is what she says, according to like the uh, records uh, that were kept. She says, your proposal is pleasing to me indeed. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now to your boat and remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you in the morrow, and you shall say, we will not ride on horses, nor go on foot. Carry us on our boat, and you shall be carried in your boat. So the next day, they get there, they say the thing, the people are like lifting up the boat, and they think, oh, wow, we're like being honored. This is so cool. Like, they're walking our boat through the town and like into into Olga's court. I've got a bad feeling about this, Miles. Dude, <laughs> where they promptly take this boat full of uh, Drevlians, Drevlians and dump it in a trench that she had been digging since the day before and buries them alive. Wow. So she pulls up. While they're being buried, They, the, according to the written records, she, quote, inquired whether they found the honor to their taste <laughs> as they were as they were being, like, suffocated in soil. Olga. Very saintly. Oh yeah, but we're we're not done, baby, because we're talking about flexessive violence here. <laughs> so <laughs> I love flexessive, by the way. Yes. I know. I just I'm just freestyling here. This is what I'm coming up <laughs> with. 
So then she sends a message back to the Drevlians saying, you know what? I love this proposal about marrying this guy. I am so down for this. Because keep in mind that they wouldn't have gotten word back quickly enough, right? No. Like they, they didn't it, know what the f*** was. I, I, I'm swearing like I'm on your show. We can't swear on our show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, I was holding back. So I was going to ask, but that makes sense. But no, there was no way they would have known. They would have been completely in the dark. <laughs> they would have sent a whole nother cadre exactly. of like cannon fodder, you know? Right. Ex- yeah. Because they were thinking, hey, this is our moment. We can, they're in a weakened <laughs> position. We'll make her the queen and, you know, she'll be one of our, you know, subjects. So she basically, I'd imagine within the moment she's even saying like, yeah, yeah, let's have a boat party, dig the trench. She's probably like, okay, send somebody now and say, we love it. And so the proposal gets to the Drevlians and saying, hey, you know what? If it's what you say it is, we love it. (laughs) Um, And she, (laughs) she says, but this time I need you to send your most distinguished men, like the rulers of all the fiefdoms, like to show, like I need to show my people if I'm just going to get marched off to marry the guy that killed my husband, that's going to be a hard sell for my people. (laughs) So please get the finest gentlemen and leaders and luminaries to come and take me so then my people, it'll be more palatable and this will be more of a peaceful transition. And so they're like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Let's do that. So the most distinguished men come and she has her subjects greet them and say, hey, you know what? The queen uh, just wants to let you know before she receives you for this lavish feast, we've actually prepared a bath for everybody. So uh, we would just love for you. Like we've had these garments. Please just clean yourselves up before you, you know, meet with the queen. It would be a great honor. And we want to honor you. I got a bad feeling about this, Miles. I know. A bath was a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it is right. like a shower. <laughs> yeah. So these, the most distinguished men of this rival tribe go to take their bath. Guess what? The doors lock behind them, and they burn the whole place down oh, with them inside. <laughs> so now she's eliminated all of their most distinguished governors, thinkers, in one fell swoop, just like, boom, done, knocked it out. And so she's thinking, like, this is great. So it's not a, it's not a flex for the sake of flexing. It's a strategic flex, which I really appreciate. Yes, um, but you know what? She's just not done there yet. Yeah. So she sends another message. Wait, this is all happening at the same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in a span of like maybe a couple of weeks or something. This is like the scene in Godfather when Michael just takes everyone out at the same time. She is complete control of her environment. She sends another message, says, hey, Uh, I want you to, quote, prepare great quantities of mead in the city where you killed my husband that I may weep over his grave and hold a funeral feast for him, end quote. So then she pulls up to the city where her husband is killed. (laughs) They're having this big party. They already think, oh, wow, she's cool. She's agreed to it. She's coming by herself. She's like, I guess this is like a small advance team that shows up. They get there to Igor's tomb. She did actually weep. They do have a feast. The Drevlians sit down and get drunk. And then we have a, I guess, like red wake type situation where her men then go and just slaughter every drunken Drevlian person in there. The written records, apparently, but this is, you know, this is back in the ninth century, saying about 5,000 Drevlians were killed that night at that feast at the hands of her men because she had basically set the whole thing up to just pull up when everyone was very, very drunk. Gangster. Yeah. Um, And sadly, she's not 
done. Or I don't know, maybe for great for this story, she's not done yet. <laughs> I'm loving every minute of it. And she's like, we're going back there. I'm not done with them. You know, yeah. maybe I killed basically everybody, but she's like, I just need to crush them for what they did. So she gets there. She lays siege to this city where her husband was killed. And it lasts like a year because there's just a lack of like they're, it's positioned well. They just can't penetrate. They're putting up a good fight. And she's like, man, like this is actually this is taking a while. So she goes to them and says like, hey, you know, like, why are you just like, why you guys keep holding out? Like we can kind of like everybody. I crushed every other city, but you guys are insisting on this. Like, why don't you just lay your arms down? Give me tribute and like let every let's get back to normal. Hey, let's get Drevlian's working again, huh? Let's get this economy back on. Don't just <laughs> open it back up. Yeah, you know? you're crushing them with this siege, please. So they say, hey, look, the reason we're like we would rather submit tribute, but the problem is just based on your track record, <laughs> we feel like this is the only way we're gonna live. So we would have took the tribute option, but you know, at this point. We took a lot of L's and we didn't expect it. So we're out of an abundance of safety. We're saying, please, just give us one moment. So she says, okay, look, I don't mean to like belabor this. I'll just say this. Just give me a small offering. And I get it. You guys, are, we've been, it's a siege for a year. You probably don't have a lot. Just have for every household in this city, give me three pigeons and three sparrows. That's <laughs> all I want. Just give me that. I just want six birds per house. Nothing big. They're like, oh my. Oh, oh, fantastic. Like, really? Flexes within flexes, yeah. my friend. <laughs> She's I like, mean. just give me some birds. Just give me those birds, and I'm out of here, and we're good. I get it. Like, Put a bird on it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I killed everybody basically here. She's like, I've killed the man who killed my husband, plus countless others i'm you know i've had my fill just give me the birds and i'll be on my way <laughs> just give me the birds yeah they're ecstatic Dude, i remember this part of the story yeah. this is epic this is so good i'm with jack i have a bad feeling about this <laughs> yeah so she's like yeah great so they bring the birds out they're like okay cool we're just gonna take off guys uh but we're gonna take off at you know, probably after like we're probably gonna sleep and nightfall anyway don't worry about us we got the birds thank you we'll be on our way so She's not done. <laughs> she tells her soldiers, for every bird, attach a piece of sulfur uh, to their like foot and a piece of paper. And then she said, actually, you know what? Set those pieces on fire and release the birds. Because she knew instinctively they were all going to fly back home. So she sends about these little, you know, early fire bombs back into the city and burned the mother down. As the primary chronicle, which is the historical text from back then, says, quote, there was not a house that was not consumed, and it was impossible to extinguish the flames because all the houses caught fire at once. And then she dropped the mic. Ben, <laughs> how do you even conceive of something so, A, so clever, B, so diabolical, C, so effective. Like, <laughs> that is me out on this one, man. I just want to know what you think. It's I your mean, show, uh, baby. You know, you've heard a lot. Uh, Come on, weigh in, my boy. I don't know. I think Miles is the one who identified with this the most strongly. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a flex. Also, when you, when you think about it, um, you know, to your point, Miles, like, we have to admit, like, there is the primary chronicle, but uh, so much time has passed. Was it really right. five thousand? Yeah, exactly. But this actually, this actually happened. I mean, to me, the craziest thing is, uh, oh, fighting fire with fire is not a good term, but 
uh, <laughs> fight bird fire bird fire guys yeah. I'm, I'm i'm floundering here but uh, i mean those are early you know heat seeking fire bombs that she mm-hmm. created out of pigeons it's just that there's so she it's so it's such a masterfully planned out onion revenge onion where every <laughs> yes. layer somehow makes you cry harder and harder um I'm a t- Troshka doll of misery. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I think that's why for me, like, you know, obviously this could be a revenge or whatever, but I think it's truly a flex is to, it's just also an outsized show of force or power or whatever, just because you can, even though, mm. and that's what it's like the other phrase is just doing the most. And right. Olga, in this case, yeah, look, Olga, you might, you might, you could have relaxed a bit. Right. Doing the most here. You didn't have to go with the pigeon and have them feel safe <laughs> only to have them come send this thing back. But, but the, the beauty of this whole thing, too, is how idiotic was it for these people to believe yeah. that she was totally chill with the fact that they had murdered her husband and that all of this was just some silly broad being, you know, like, oh, totally malleable to your manly whims or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, you can only imagine what misogyny is like in ninth. 10 AD. <laughs> and, and for, 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 for the record, I was saying some silly broad. I was playing the, the yes, we that was that. not. Oh, uh, okay. Just oh, making that. You're super, playing the super, role of Noel Brown off uh, mic. Oh, Oh, this is uh, this is probably one of my favorite uh, weird flex stories in terms of the sheer amount of blood lust and uh, letting that goes into it. I'm surprised this hasn't been uh, dramatized in like a a film. This is so good. Yeah, obviously, there's definitely some red wedding vibes, but this in and of itself could be a whole movie all unto itself. I love it so much. It's definitely like some Searcy, George R. R. Martin. Yeah. We figured it out. Uh, Noel, as a colleague and a friend, I do have to point out that I feel like at least part of why you're so pro this flex story is because of your abiding extreme hatred of birds. So, like, I saw your <laughs> eyes light up when you learned well, that the birds were catching on fire. Now, weird moment. <laughs> Now that's not entirely fair because in this story the birds are kind of the good guys. I I, yeah. I was actually was like, yeah, go birds, burn those misogynist douchebags alive in their homes. But also to be fair, there were probably some women and children that I'd got uh, totally incinerated pro- as mostly, well. So, mostly at that point. Yeah, 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 because all the the able-bodied men were the ones that had been sent out, so right. they came home to uh, an inferno. Probably they probably hadn't even gotten back yet, and they came home to like their entire world just in ashes, you know? Yeah. Doing the most. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Noel, you've got you've got some flexes as well, right? Yeah, mine are like way more innocuous, which I think we <laughs> definitely need right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember that Harvey Danger song, Flagpole Sit Up? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mainly associate it now as being the theme for Peep Show, which is one of my favorite British comedy series of all time. It's just it, like Super Hans is one of my mm -hmm. favorite uh, characters ever. And it's just, it holds up so well and it's in, infinitely rewatchable. And if you guys haven't seen it, uh, listeners, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, but yeah, Flagpole Sitter by Harvey Danger is referring to a, a historical phenomenon uh, known, uh, surprise, surprise, as flagpole sitting. So I think most people, when they think of the 20s, they think of, you know, prohibition and bootlegging and flappers and speakeasies and all that stuff. But um, there was a uh, really odd kind of spectator sport, I guess you could call it, that um, really <laughs> uh, caught the public's imagination by storm um, in the 1920s. And that was something called flagpole sitting. And it's in a burst of creativity has been would say exactly what it sounds like. Someone climbs up on top of a pole, uh, a flagpole or otherwise, could be an, an antenna, I guess, but a flagpole is a little more sturdy and doesn't taper quite as much, so that would make the most sense, um, and builds or uh, seats kind of a very small platform uh, with a chair on top of the, the flagpole and then shimmies their way up and sits on the flagpole. Uh, it started in, in, in y'all's neck of the woods in Hollywood in hey. January of 1924. A gentleman by the name of Alvin Shipwreck Kelly 
uh, was employed by a local uh, movie theater to help um, advertise for a movie premiere. And they paid him. He was a stuntman um, and, or a daredevil, I guess you could call him. And they paid him to sit on top of this uh, flagpole uh, t- in order to kind of draw crowds because uh, <laughs> it was going to be kind of an oddity. People would be like, what the hell's going on with this guy on this flagpole? Let's check it out. Oh, a movie. So I guess that's the way that that was uh, thought of by mm-hmm. the you know the promoters or whatever. Kelly was from New York. He got his name because he claimed uh, pretty spuriously uh, by most accounts to have been a survivor of the Titanic. Um, so oh, that's where, I love that. Yeah, that's, where, that's, where, that's where he got shipwrecked from. So he's already a little bit of a P.T. Barnum kind of huckster right. type fella. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely has some skills and he starts this kind of fad that really takes the entire country by storm. For this, this uh, publicity stunt, he sits up there for 13 hours and 13 minutes. And uh, the newspapers pick it up and kind of start spreading the word. And he genuinely sets off kind of a national craze. And other people start doing it. And even kids start daring their, you know, schoolyard buddies, like, see how long you can sit up on this flagpole. Obviously, there's different, like, it's a, it's a range of flexes in terms of how high the pole is. You know, there would be like an amateur version of it. Um, there were even people that would practice like on trees in their backyard. Uh, but it really became a thing. There was somebody uh, named Bobby Mack, who was from L.A., who sat up on a flagpole for three weeks. And hey. then someone named Joe Holden Powers sat up there for 16 days in Chicago in 1927. I feel like this is your way of rubbing our face and how stupid our city is. I mean, like, it hey. seems like a, a very L.A. specific uh, a weird flex. Hey, you guys eat dirt juice, huh? And sit on flagpoles. Pretty cool Hollywood, huh? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's where dreams are made and also crushed, as we will get to uh, at the end of the story, which is a little bit of a bummer, but not oh, nearly no. as much of a bummer as your story, Miles. Also, <laughs> dreams are keistered on the top of a flagpole. Also true. Also uh, true. Yeah, I, it's, it's sort of the early form of podcast butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah <exactly>. right. <laughs> so I'll go on, but where, where where are you guys at with this? How, how do you think this story is going to progress? Do you think it just fizzles? Is it going to be like, I mean, it sounds like something so easy that like if you start this thing of like, okay, I can do that. Like you're basically like, how long can you sit? Because once you eliminate like the height aspect, it's like, how long are you willing to like go to the bathroom on yourself a bunch in a chair? Wait, is it a or chair there, though? Or what do we know or about are that? you sitting on on the ball? Like, isn't the end of a flagpole just like a a rounded object? That's like what I'm cylinder? trying to imagine. They they put a little seat on it, right? No. They put a little seat on it, like a circus platform, kind right. of, you know? Got it. So okay. this, 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 this guy, Shipwreck Kelly, um, he did this stunt in New York as well. And the reason that it got, it, it became like a really serious source of income for him, he was making at one point between $100 and $500 a day in 1920s money, oh which is my serious, God. serious cash. <laughs> it, was, it was because advertisers would pay him that or promoters would pay him that because people would... Uh, 
set up viewing parties and viewing areas on like high rises and rooftops where you'd pay a nickel to sit around and watch this guy sitting around. Um, but he would uh, that you know he you might see him you know reading the newspaper. There's a really there's a bunch of really great iconic photographs of him uh, that remind me a lot of those uh, images of you know workmen building the Empire State mm-hmm, Building, right. sitting on those bars like with their lunch pails and stuff. So he had bits. He had yes, exactly. He had um, patrons, um, but he uh, eventually <laughs> the Great Depression hit. Mm. And oh, people no. didn't have disposable incomes anymore to drop nickels for for giggles to watch this guy sitting around shaving on this platform. And he ended up like a lot of people that we talk about on this show that have a very niche kind of skill, penniless and alone oh. um, and, and and ultimately died of a heart attack. And they found under his arm uh, in the place where he, he died, uh, a scrapbook of all of the newspaper clippings of his his time in the oh. sun. <laughs> As the as the champion flagpole sitter, I take issue with the idea that my story was more of a bummer than hearing about <laughs> this guy in his last days clutching the memories of his professional career, sitting down. Yeah, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna say Olga of Kiev uh, doing the most coming uh, soon oh, to no. HBO and uh, flagpole sitting coming soon to Pixar. That's like Pixar formula heartbreak right there. I was just looking. I was like, I'm just, as you said this, all I'm thinking of like, how do they go to the bathroom? How do they go to the bathroom? (laughs) How do they? Buckets. Right. And then I'm like reading that he had like a tube. He would just turn away from the crowd and urinate down a little tube into a bucket down at the base of the pole. We've all been there, you know? Yeah. I was thinking that this was so uh, beneath us that like, this is how people were entertained back in the day. But, this is basically what David Blaine did for a couple like that there were he sat up in a uh I think he was like in a glass cube for a while and people were just like wow he's really <laughs> there <laughs> he's not going anywhere and yeah. at one point he was upside down that's definitely a flex it's weird too because you have to wonder what would happen if someone did that now like if someone protested at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania, and they were like, I'm going to protest by sitting on the top of this flag for huh. a f- for a while. And they'll be like, oh, what are, what are you doing? And they're like, I- I'm just going to sit there. If you d- Do you guys have any nickels or, you know? Or I, advice. You're right. <laughs> advice. <laughs> That's funny that you say that, Ben. It actually has made uh, somewhat of a comeback in protest. There was a pole sitting protest uh, associated with the the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, back in uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is sort of a thing that people still do as kind of a sit in or sort of like a hey look at me. It definitely like raises you up and just you know literally for people to see so they can see you know whatever hey, your uh, your cause. Look mm-hmm. at me, and I, I disagree with this thing that is happening. Stalin would love it because I'm sure you look really tall. <laughs> you oh, look yeah. very tall on a flagpole. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I'll have my dinner on my flagpole tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Dakota Access Pipeline, for the record, the worst dap ever. Uh, that's I, like I, I'm remembering uh, Nichols for Giggles is what yeah. I wrote down for that one, Noel. That's phrase stuck with me. Uh, also, uh, what'd you say it was like a hundred, hundred and five dollars, hundred and what per day he was making? Up to five hundred. Fi- yeah, up Between, to five hundred. Oh, five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Which 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 also makes me kind of like annoyed that he 
clearly pissed all that away because that's serious <laughs> coin. And and for him to have died penniless means he was probably not super smart with his money. Right. Um, so, you know, just putting that out there. That was like $6,500 a day. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he did with it. Crushing it. I know, right? What what what's also what was he doing with that cash like, during the depression? Buying hard rock candy, I think, just rock candy right. and be- cans of beans and bindle sticks, yeah. I believe. Uh, that's not funny for me to make that joke as we're heading into another depression. We'll all but be. you know, presumably, but I mean, it didn't hit till twenty nine, so he was living fast in the twenties on his six grand a day. Uh. He had a gilded flagpole, true. Yeah. And how weird is it that we might be calling that one the first Great Depression right. in a while? Yeah. Oh. Little too topical oh for a history show. And are Sorry, we guys. now the new flagpole sitters because we sit professionally? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that uh, his top sponsors were actually Stamps.com and Blue Apron. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Casper mattresses. <laughs> Casper. Think about it. There are flags on the stamps, guys. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah. Oh, full circle. That would be a really good publicity stunt for Casper. Just like put a mattress on top of a flagpole, flagpole and just sleeper. lay on that thing, you know, <laughs> indefinitely. Flagpole <laughs> yeah, exactly. layer. Ah, uh, once again, time has gotten away from us. Uh, this is going to be the first part of a two-part episode. Uh, Casey, uh, how 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 is it going so far? Would you say? I would say you know the halftime report. Um, people are coming with some really strong flexes. I'm just uh, interested to see what's going to come up in the second half. We got a we got a really good match here. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the announcer vibe. All right. Well, uh, first off, anytime uh, anytime that we can impress you, then I know we're on the right track. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and let's uh, let's make this our outro for the first episode. Uh, we'll do the usual. Uh, thanks as always to you, Casey Pegram. Thanks, of course, to uh, my co-host Noel Brown. Thanks, of course, to Jack O'Brien, Miles Gray, Daily Zeitgeist. Let's see. Uh, you know who we usually thank at this part of the episode, Casey. That is true. Let's see. We got uh, Christopher Hasiotis here in spirit. Uh, Eve's Jeffcoat. We've got, uh, let's see, who am I leaving out? Oh, God, this is terrible. Wait, wait. Hold on. Gabe Luzier, uh-huh. our, uh, our research associate. Uh, we got Jonathan Strickland, the quizster, who will uh, probably be crashing our Zoom party pretty soon. Who else am I leaving out then? Well, we got whoa, whoa, whoa. we got Alex Williams, who composed the uh, the theme song that is tickling your eardrums right now. Nailed it. And of course, Ridiculous Historians, thanks to you. Uh, please let us know some of your favorite weird historical flexes. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, and tune in for the next episode because it only gets more ridiculous. We'll see you again real soon. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends.